Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Hey everyone, I want you to download our message notes right now off of any of our media outlets, and I want you to join with me. Grab your Bible together. We're going into this next installment of our message series, In the Shadows. Now, you may be asking yourself this question, why are we taking this time to study a tent that God had the Hebrews build in the desert 3,400 years ago, this tent where the people of Israel would come and meet with God. We call it the tabernacle. Well, I want to tell you exactly why we're studying it. It's because God hid incredible messages in every element of that tabernacle. In fact, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 tells us that God is the one who gave Moses the exact blueprint for the tabernacle, told him exactly how to build it and each piece to put in that tabernacle. And God hid this incredible message that points to his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and shows us how not only to come to faith in God, but how to develop a relationship with God in each section of that tabernacle. So grab your Bible. We're going to go to the book of Exodus. Download the message notes right now, and together we're going into the tabernacle part four. Now, I want to walk you back through where we have been the last few weeks with this tabernacle. I'm going to show you an image of the tabernacle. This is the design that God led Moses to build in the desert 3,400 years ago. Remember what I said a moment ago, each piece of this is going to point a picture for you to see Jesus and to know how to come to faith in God and to develop intimacy with God. So it's very important we understand each element. How did the priest see the table once they came inside that tented tabernacle? Because there's no windows. There's no doors. I mean, once you walk through the curtain, you close it behind you, it is dark inside there. Even if the sun's shining outside, it's dark inside the tent, right? How did they see the table to remind them of the God who had been with them, is with them, and shall be with them? How did they come and worship at the table? What illuminated their sight? What illuminated their mind to conceive all this? That was the light that God had Moses to place inside that tabernacle. There was only one light in that room, it was the golden lampstand. Directly across from the table, God had Moses to put a lampstand. Turn in your Bibles now. Look with me, Exodus chapter uh, 25. And let's read about this incredible lampstand. And in a moment, I'm going to show you how it's a shadow of our Lord Jesus and why it's important for you to see what God hid in this design. Notice verse 31, okay? Read with me right there where you are. Come on. You are to make a lampstand out of pure hammered gold. It is to be made of one piece. 
its base and its shaft, its ornamental cups, its buds and its petals, all one piece. Notice verse 32, six branches are to extend from the shaft, from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from one side and three branches on the lampstand on the other side. There are to be three cups shaped like almond blossoms and each with a bud and a petal, each on each branch. And three cups should be like almond blossoms, each with buds and petals on the next branch. It is to be this way for the six branches that extend from the lampstand. Now look down at verse 39. The lampstand with all its utensils is to be made of 75 pounds of pure gold. I want to show you a picture of this lampstand. It is absolutely amazing. It was a beautiful piece of art. Exodus 27 verse 21 says it is all made of 75 pounds of gold. Look at the, look at the picture here of the lampstand. And while you're looking at it, let me tell you some interesting facts about this lampstand. It was made of pure gold, no wood. Remember in the Old Testament, wood is a symbol of humanity. Gold is a symbol of divinity. Notice the light that opens our eyes and gives us knowledge to see that Jesus is the bread and Jesus is the wine and Jesus is the uh, one who's been with us and shall be with us. Notice that it's Jesus who gives us protection, provision, and his presence. And how do we know that? The light illuminates our understanding. Notice the lamp. It is made of pure gold. It is fully God. It is all God. It is a symbol of, of divinity, pure gold. And think about the glory of this. 75 pounds of pure gold. Uh, they believe it stood somewhere around five feet tall. In fact, in Jerusalem right now, they have a menorah. That's what the lampstand's called in Hebrew, menorah. And they have already built one out of pure gold, ready for the next time a temple is built in Jerusalem. And you can see it there if you travel to Jerusalem today, this beautiful menorah. It had seven branches. Why seven? Seven is the number of completion in the Bible. The center branch, the one that stems up right through the center was called the servant branch. Jesus said, I have come not to be your master, but to be your servant. He came as a servant leader. He served his people. He did what no one else thought God would do. Jesus is the one that sat down and, and washed his own disciples' feet. Each branch, notice this, at the end had an almond blossom. That's very important. I'll explain that in just a few minutes. Why an almond blossom at the end of every branch? That's where the wick would have been. That wick that they would have lit was made from the linen garments of the high priest. They had oil that fueled the fire. The fire was fueled with oil, pure olive oil, the purest that they could make. And the lampstand directly sat across from the table of the bread of presence. It's the only light inside the room. And here's the last piece of information I want to share you about that old lampstand is God gave the command, the fire was never to go out. I want you to say that with me right there, watching this, listen to this, driving down the street, say it out loud right there in your car. Come on, 
the fire was never to go out. God had this light that was to always be burning so that whenever the priest walked in the room, they would see the table and be reminded of how God provided and protected and is present with them, past, present, and future. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what God wants to do today in your life. Maybe some of you have heard of the Jewish holiday Hanukkah that's celebrated around the time we Christians celebrate Christmas. And you may have thought, well, maybe that's their alternative. No, no, no. Hanukkah happened a long time, hundreds of years before Jesus's birth. And it goes back to this menorah and how that the, the temple was under siege. And when they, they went in to light the menorah because the fire was never to go out, there was only enough oil left uh, for one day of burning inside that menorah. And they prayed and they couldn't get more oil to bring in there because they were under siege. But that, that menorah, it stayed lit for a whole week. And that's why Hanukkah is that celebration of a week of lights, a celebration of lights. And what a picture, listen, what a picture of Jesus that is, that even when your life is under siege, the power of the Holy Spirit can keep the fire burning in your heart as long as you need to get through whatever battle you're going through. And I'm telling you right now in 2020, we all need the fire of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Lord to keep the fire lit inside our souls as we go through this season of life. Amen? Now, let's look at the shadow here. What was God wanting to show us 3,400 years ago by this menorah. Every piece of this menorah is designed intently from God. Here's the first thing. I want you to write it down right there on your message notes. Come on. The first, the first shadow I want you to see in this, the first truth hidden in that menorah is this, that this lampstand, this menorah, is a symbol of Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus the light of the world. Just say his name right there with me on count of three. Okay, everybody, come on, say his name. Jesus, the light of the world. You know, the apostle John one day was writing uh, down the stories of Jesus and he wrote that one day Jesus was there and a religious mob of scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus in the middle of the street and they had taken a woman in the act of adultery. And they brought her before Jesus and they said by their law, uh, she should be stoned for her actions. But they wanted to see what Jesus would say. They were trying to catch him to go against the law. And so uh, they brought her to Jesus, said, what do you want us to do with her? I love what Jesus did. The scripture says that Jesus just kind of got down on the ground, on his knees, right? And he began to write on the ground. And as he's writing on the ground, he said, you without sin cast the first stone at her. Don't you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to know what Jesus was writing on the ground? You without sin cast the first stone. The Bible says that when Jesus said that, that from the oldest in the crowd to the youngest, they turned and left. Why? Because they all knew they were guilty of sin. In that moment, Jesus caught them in their own act. And uh, when he looked up, he looked at the woman. And I want you to catch carefully what Jesus says. Jesus says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. They all left. Jesus said these words. Please hear it. 
Jesus says, neither then do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He offered her grace and forgiveness. At the same time, he said, now change the way you're living. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. As soon as Jesus finished saying that, look at John chapter 8, verse 12. Let's read it together out loud. Look at what Jesus then said after that moment. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Catch it. Jesus at that moment was saying to all that Jewish crowd, I'm the menorah that the father had you place inside that tabernacle 3,400 years ago. I'm the one who can show the light of God, his love and his grace on your life. I'm the one that awakens you. I am the light of the world. And for that woman, what he did was he said, here's some light. Stop living in your darkness, go live in the light. Because if you come to the light of Jesus, you won't continue living in darkness. So Jesus says, I forgive you, don't keep on living in this sin. What an amazing truth about Jesus. Now, number two, write this down. So here's what Jesus does as our light, as the light of the world, as that spiritual menorah. Jesus illuminates the darkness. And we all know that we're living in darkness. There's no one I believe would argue with you right now if you said, man, our world is full of darkness. Jesus is the one who can illuminate the darkness. Watch this now. And awaken us to truth. Write it down. Jesus, this is why in our church we tell you often, Jesus is the hope of the world. This is why we invite people to come to church and why we study the scriptures and why we pray and why we teach and why we preach and why we do our ministries. Why do we live our lives for the Lord? Why do we encourage you to live sold out to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who can illuminate in the darkness and awaken us to truth. Jesus awakens us to truth. You remember back in that menorah 3,400 years ago when God said, here's how I want you to design it. Do you remember what is at the end of every one of those branches? What is it right before the wick? What does a wick actually come out of? An almond blossom. Why did God choose an almond blossom? The almond blossom is also called Catch this now. This is so good. The almond blossom is also called the awakening one because the almond tree is the first tree in the Middle East that blossoms during the winter. In fact, an almond blossom, uh, almond tree often buds before winter is even over. It is known as the first tree that wakes up out of its winter sleep. So what is Jesus? Jesus, the light of the world, what's he do? He blossoms, he awakens us up to truth. This is why in John 
we read these words. John wrote this down. He said, one day Jesus looked out at the crowd and Jesus said these words, no one comes to the Father or comes to me unless the Father draws him. See, this is why to Nicodemus, Jesus said, uh, you're born once of the water, of the flesh, but you must be born again of the spirit. And Nicodemus was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't get this. How can an old man be born again? Can I go back to my mother's womb? And, and Jesus said, no, 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 you're not getting it. Your first birth is of the flesh and of water, but you gotta be born of the spirit. At that moment, Nicodemus' eyes started to open. Who opened his eyes to understand that biblical truth, that spiritual truth rather? Jesus. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he would write his letter to the church in Corinth, would say about preaching, says preaching to some is foolishness. Like to the Jews, this is a stumbling block. To Greeks, he said, this is foolishness. They don't get it. Because it has to be spiritually discerned. And here's what I need you to understand. Jesus is the one who turns the light on. Jesus is the one that if you are sincerely seeking truth, he's the one that will illumine your eyes to see it. Watch this. Your mind to understand it and your heart to believe it by faith. Jesus is the one who awakens us out of spiritual darkness to come into the light. How many of you have ever had someone turn the lights on you when you were in a deep sleep to wake you up. Have you ever had that happen? Let me tell you, this is one of those quick mischief stories that I tell on myself. So when, when I was a teenager, me and my friends, we would often play a trick on somebody. If we had somebody staying over at the house or you know, if we was having a sleepover or, or we were out camping or whatever, we would, we would often wait till like two or three in the morning and we'd see one of our friends who's in a deep sleep and we'd go, turn all the lights on, wake them up, holler and shout, oh man, we overslept, hurry up, get up, we gotta get ready, the school bus is coming. And we'd watch them jump up, throwing on their clothes, wiping sleep out of their eyes. We ain't got time for breakfast, come on, we gotta go outside, the bus is coming. Here they go running outside and it'd be in the middle of the night. And man, you're talking about the fight was on after that, right? The fight was on. I want to tell you something. Jesus will catch you in the middle of your sleep if you're seeking truth and you really want to know truth. And he'll turn the light on so that you can see him and realize that God has been there with you. Remember where the lampstand was directly across from the table. Remember what we recognize at the table? We would realize, the priest would realize God's been there in the past, present, and future. God will reveal to you that he has been there for you all along and that he wants a relationship with you if you'll let him turn the light on inside your heart. Say it with me, okay, this point. Jesus is the one who illuminates the darkness and awakens us to the truth. John 1.5, let's look at some scripture here. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. I'm telling you, when Jesus turns the light on, all the darkness in this world can't snuff it out. John chapter three, verse 19, the scripture says, the, Jesus said, the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who hates evil or does evil hates the light and avoids it 
right? I mean, if you can't stand the light, if it bothers you, you'll be repelled by it, right? But wait a minute. Everyone who wants to live by the truth, everyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown and his accomplishments before God. If you want to come to the Lord today, I'm telling you, the Lord will not cast you out. He'll turn the light on. Now, number three, I want us to write this down. How does God today in our lives and in our world right now, how does God turn on the light in the darkness of the world we are living in? I mean, like right now, how can God, how can Jesus Christ turn some light on in our world? Well, there are three ways he turns the light on. You ready? I want you to write these down. Here we go. Jesus turns the light on by his word, by the word of God. Jesus turns the light on by his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit awakens us. And number three, write it down. He will turn the light on by his people. By his people. By those of you who have faith in Christ, those of you who are his followers. So think about this. How does Jesus turn the light on in our world today? By his word. You know, Psalm 119, 105, Psalm 119, 105. This is what the psalmist David wrote. He said, God, your word, the scriptures, your word is like a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. He says, man, the more we get into the word of God and the more scriptures we study, the more we read of the testimonies of Jesus, the more we see God in the pages It'll open our eyes and it'll direct our path. It'll open our eyes. Then he says, by his spirit. Remember again, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, I quoted a moment to you about that a while ago. John chapter three, verse five and six. Here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Truly I tell you, unless someone's born of the water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Whatever's born of the flesh is flesh. That's your first birth. But whatever's born of the spirit is spirit. That's your second birth. And Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say, um, if you're only born once, you're going to die twice. You'll die physically, but also spiritually. But if you're born twice, flesh and spirit, if you're born twice, you only die once. You only die in the physical body. But your spirit's going to live forever with the Lord. Amen? Amen? Watch this. So the word of God, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Then the Holy Spirit does what? He illuminates that truth. He brings it to light. He makes it come alive inside of us. But then there's this third way that God turns light on in our world. He uses his people. Now I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and look down at verse 9. I preached on this a few weeks ago at the beginning of this series because I want you to understand for those of you who are followers of Jesus, for those of you who have faith in Christ, why is the tabernacle a picture of Jesus and you? Because it was the priest who did all the functions inside that tabernacle. And you, if you're a believer, are a priest for Jesus. I didn't say that. The apostle Peter did. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and he reveals to us what our priestly mission is. Are you ready? Look at it. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people of his possession, 
so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So if you are a follower of Jesus, it's because Jesus at some point in your life turned the light on. It may have been through a word that you heard preached or taught or a testimony that was shared to you. However you came to faith, the Spirit of God made it come alive and he awakened you to truth. Now God wants to use you and your story to go and share with someone else so that the word can be spread and the Spirit maybe will waken them up to spiritual truth and show them the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're, if you're thankful for whoever shared the gospel with you and however the Holy Spirit woke you up to the truth of Jesus, can you just praise him right there, right where you are, and say, thank you, Lord, for awakening me. Now, Lord, help me be an ambassador for you and share your truth with others. Share my story, Lord, that others may come to believe. Because here's the big takeaway. Here's the big takeaway. I want you to write it down. This is what I need you to go with today. Here we are. You ready? The big takeaway. Followers of Christ are empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we can reflect the light of Jesus to the world. Let me say it one more time. I want you to say it with me if you're reading off your message notes. Come on. Get this down in your spirit. Followers of Christ, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like that oil running through that candlestick. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to reflect the light of Christ, the light of truth to the world so that people can see Jesus. You see, Jesus said this just hours before he went to the cross. You can read it in the Gospel of John. John wrote it down in John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus, looking at the disciples, we know Jesus is the symbol from that menorah in the tabernacle. But listen to what Jesus said right before he was to be crucified. Jesus looked at his disciples and Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And what was he telling the disciples? Is that I'm the light of the world, but now I'm grafting you into my camp, my candlestick, my lampstand, my menorah. I'm grafting you in, and you now are going to be one of my branches. That's going to light the room. That's going to light the world. In fact, Jesus in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says to believers, you're the light of the world. You're like a city that's to be set on a hill for the world to see. You're the ones to be the light of the world. Why? Because Jesus is the light. And now he works through his word and through his spirit and through his people. Amen. Listen to Ephesians 5, 18. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Paul would write these words, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then he gives us this challenge. Are you ready for the challenge? Walk in the light. What are we to do? We're to walk in the light. Just like Jesus said to that woman who was caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. She was in darkness, 
But that moment she came into the light, Jesus then said, don't keep on sinning. What was he saying? Now walk in the light. That's what Paul's saying. If you have faith in Christ, you once were darkness. Don't forget that. You once were in darkness. Now you're in the light. Walk in this light so that people around you can see. Listen to me. In the churches I grew up in in, in rural Kentucky, I uh, used to have this dear sister get up and she would testify in church and she'd say, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. What was she was saying? Walk in the light. Walk in the light so that people, when they see you, they see the gospel in action, that Jesus is real and he can transform lives. Listen, how do we do that? We have to daily, are you ready? Catch this. We have to daily trim our wick and check our oil. You say, Pastor, you just lost me right there. Let's go back to that menorah in that tabernacle 3,400 years ago. Every single day, the priest had a job. They did it twice, in the morning and in the evening. And their job was simply this, to check the wick and to check the oil because they could never let the fire go out. Check the wick, check the oil. Don't ever let the fire go out. And what that's a reflection of, remember the wick came from the high priest's garment. It was a representation of the priest. Remember the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. What is this saying? It's saying that you and I must check ourselves every day and make sure we're walking in alignment with the Holy Spirit of God so that then the people around us can see the light of Jesus in and through us. What a difference! we can make in this world. If every one of us who calls the name of Jesus checked ourselves every day and made sure that our attitudes and our actions and our words and our deeds lined up with the Holy Spirit. Amen? It changed the world. We could show some light in the darkness. And right now, that's a great challenge for all of us who call upon the name of the Lord as our Savior. Let's let them see the difference. In fact, the Apostle Paul would write this to the church in Galatia. He would write these words, Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's walk in the Spirit, amen? And it's so easy to get out of step. I mean, think about this. One day, um, Matthew recorded a moment when the disciples went with Jesus to Caesarea Philippi and Peter makes this grand announcement because Jesus says, who do people say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And everybody's like, "Woo, way to go, Peter. And Jesus says, Peter, heaven and earth didn't tell that to you. My father revealed that to you. Way to go, Peter. And everybody's bragging on Peter. Peter's chest's all puffed out. He's like, woohoo, Peter, you did great. Right after that conversation, five minutes later, Jesus starts explaining how he's going to die on the He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be handed over to the authorities and he's going to die. Peter, who's coming off of this grand moment where he's like, "Woo, way to go, Peter. Peter immediately snaps back at Jesus and says, not so, Lord, that ain't happening on my watch. Jesus turns to Peter. Catch this now. Five minutes ago, Jesus said, "Woo, Peter, the father revealed to you who I am. Five minutes later, Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Now let that sink in. And all I want you to see this is Peter learned a hard lesson that day. 
is that in one moment he can have his eyes set on the will of God, but if he lets his flesh overrun at any moment, he can get out of step and the flesh can take over. We are in a constant battle. This is why the priest had to do this twice a day. What is the lesson? What is the shadow? We must continually keep ourselves in check and make sure our focus is in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we have a job to do, to shine the light of God's truth, the love and the grace of Jesus in a world full of darkness. How important is this to Jesus? I want you to go back and look at that menorah one final time this morning. Go back now, look at the picture, look at the menorah. And let me ask you this question while you're looking at it. What is the shape of the menorah? What is it a symbol of? As you're looking at the menorah right now, let me help you out. Notice it has one main trunk extending straight up vertical. Notice that as you get to the top of the trunk, what's it do? It branches out with six branches. What's at the end of every branch? An almond blossom. Friend, the menorah is designed in the shape of a tree. Now go back with me to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Go back to the first garden and to the first couple, Adam and Eve. What did you have in the garden? We know that Adam was the first priest of God on the earth. He had a job to do, to serve God by tending the garden. And in the garden, in the center of the garden, there was one main tree, the tree of life. When Adam and Eve voluntarily went into sin, what happened? The curse of sin was passed down and mankind lost the garden and we lost the tree of life. Since then, we began dying. We die physically, we die morally, or so, we die spiritually. That's why we need Christ, our Savior. That's why you need to put your faith in the Lamb who was slain for you. Now, what happens with Jesus? What did Jesus do? It's all a picture of Jesus. Why did God have a tree that was lit in the tabernacle? Because it's a picture of Jesus, the light of the world. And what did Jesus do? Jesus, the Son of God, the light of the world, went and took the cursed tree. And he stretched out his arms on a cursed tree. And at the cross, Jesus turned that cursed tree back into the tree of life. And I'm here to tell you today that if you look to Jesus, he'll turn the light on. And when you come to faith in Jesus, you'll walk in the light and he'll give you eternal life. If you'd like to receive Jesus Christ right now, right where you are, watching, listening, wherever you are, if you'd like to trust Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior, if you would say, Jesus, I invite you to come in, be my Savior, be my Lord, give me this gift of eternal life, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. Would you pray this prayer with me right there, right now, out loud? Open your mouth and open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I ask you to turn the light on inside my soul. Let me see the truth 
that you love me, that Jesus, you died for me, and that you want to give me eternal life. Today, by faith, the best I know how, Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive all my sin, and today I choose to follow after you. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Help me now to live for you and to shine the light of your love and your hope to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.